The Oracle Network. Hello and welcome to an undisclosed location. This is Murder Incorporated. I am Buddy. And I'm Harley. This week we bring you into the minds of two of the most sadistic and well-planned and executed criminals you will ever hear about, Leonard Lake and Charles Ng. This is the story of Operation Miranda. Wow, buddy, that was amazing. Amazeballs, some oh, might you say. Know you know it. Just Thank you. you. <laughs> Let's hear the sadistic, sick story of these two yeah, it really is. disgusting it really is, individuals. Buddy. Okay. October 1983. All right. In Wilsonville, California, buddy. Right on Halloween then, huh? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Settling into a... So this is the backdrop, okay? So this guy's sitting into a... Or sitting in a recliner, right? Okay. Leonard Lake. So he turns towards the camera and he speaks in just a... Like a not monotone voice, but like, like no emotion, right? Okay. No emotion, like a freaking psychopath. Okay. Good evening. It's Sunday, October the twenty second. Okay. Twenty third, something like that. Very close to my thirty eighth birthday, and I'm starting this tape without script or without any real organization of what I want to say. But I do feel I need to explain this tape, which you're hearing now is going to be the lead-in of the various phases of construction of a building which, hopefully, will be the first of a series of underground buildings. Really? So, underground buildings. Yeah. So, is this guy a construction worker, or is he constructing some evil diabolical, like, labyrinth or something like that? Oh, he definitely is evil diabolical. Like, this is, like, an evil genius. Okay. Like an evil genius, buddy. An evil genius. And he goes on. But the main emphasis of the building, the whole justification for its expense and effort, will be a hidden portion, a secret room. Mm -hmm. If we can call it that, that the house, that will house a cell, a jail cell, if you will. Oh, great. Dressed in a long sleeve, black and white patterned shirt, faded jeans and boots, He's just like sitting there all creepily, buddy, with his hands in his lap. This is an actual video? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can look this up. All right. And he's just monotone. Like, he's just talking about, like, the weather. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's talking about building a cell. The purpose of that cell will be the imprisonment of a young lady who will probably, at this moment, who at this moment is unknown to me. Oh, jeez. These are troubled times. There are wars and rumors of wars going on. Today, 135 Marines were killed in Lebanon. So that gives him the right to, you know, build this cell and torture women? That makes sense. Well, that's exactly it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like, he was thinking that, okay, this is like when, um, it wasn't actually 135, it was 216 Marines is the actual number that were killed in a massive explosion in Beirut. Okay. Okay. And late, having served in Vietnam identified closely with the fallen Marines, you know? Okay. So he had concluded 
that an imminent holocaust would wipe out most of humanity. Okay. So he's what we call what, buddy? Doomsdayer? Doomsdayer. Okay. All right. He is a real doomsdayer. Oh, yeah. I can see that. So he would be perfect. Could you imagine on that show? If like, you know, like Doomsday Preppers? No, Have you ever I seen that show? So, no. <laughs> so hilarious. No, but I want to watch freaks. it. <laughs> they get these freaks that are like spending their life savings on, on like a bunker. Doomsday bunkers <laughs> and like all this stuff. Like high oh, tech, man. you know? I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, End World's coming soon, but. And he's I don't like, think it's going to come that soon. Who knows? Hey, Bob, what's that room over there for? You know, on tape. Uh, don't worry about that. Uh, it's just got like chains on the walls. Yeah. Like, um, you know what I mean? This guy would be perfect for that show. Not for, you know, outliving the Holocaust or anything or the, uh, the apocalypse. No, that's part of it. But, oh, that is part of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. But he also wants to torture people. In that room. In a separate room, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So he describes the concrete and steel bunker as he visualized it. It would be... Designed not around the cell, but ultimately around the concept of a secret, secure living place for myself and perhaps for friends. But he admitted it would be a lie to say it was for anything other than primarily emphasizing the cell. So Leonard Lake's favorite book, The Collector by John Fowles. Have you ever heard of that book? I've heard of it, yeah. A lot of serial killers like this book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's why I've read it a few times. I mean, I say that? <laughs> yes, but he has it right now. I'm reading it as we speak. Oh, <laughs> so we want to say thank you. Oh yeah, to riddle me that. Yeah, podcast, true crime podcast. Yes, Jules, Jules. Thank you, Jules, for announce for putting our episode of the Ken and Barbie Killers. Right. Yep. Yeah, putting that episode out there and letting all your fans hear it. Hopefully, you fans are now listening to this episode. Yeah. So thank you very much, Jules. Thank you, Jules. We really appreciate it, and we love Jules. So the the book tells the tale of a butterfly collector who carries out his fantasy of capturing and enslaving a young woman. Okay. And this, like, matches perfectly with Lake's own hidden desires. Yeah. Sounds like it. So it's the idea of having complete control over a female slave Mm -hmm. that Lake, like, liked about this book. Mm -hmm. Posterity may care less about this tape, care less about what I have to say. To be honest, I'm not too sure who I want to show this tape to, mm-hmm. or if I'll ever show it to anyone. But for anyone that is interested, anyone who needs my justification and my rationalizations as to why I would want to imprison and, in fact, enslave a woman, they have only to look closely at me. I'm a realist. I'm 38 years old, a bit chubby, not much hair, and losing what I do have. So a loser, in other words. So he's like me, basically. So this is just talking about me. Okay. Except for I'm freaking super handsome. So this is a little different, but and charming. Anyway. So Okay. You're nothing like this guy. Come yeah. on. So And you weren't in Vietnam, so What's that supposed to mean, buddy? That means you've never served our country. No, I have not. I tried, but I have asthma. Okay. I, I, I tried. So. <laughs> I tried. And then I had Did you really it. try? Yeah, I really tried. I didn't know that. Yeah. At my, like my lowest, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to join the Army. Really? Or the Marines. Yeah. No shit. I went to the recruitment office and I actually moved a recruiter when I worked at Clinton Moving. Mm-hmm. So I then I went to his office in New Hartford. Yeah. Wow. And uh, That's crazy. He's like, I can get you signed up, but... He's like, you get over... He's like, you'll be definitely overseas. He's like, and you don't want to be in the desert with no inhaler. Yeah. He's like, so you can lie about not having ever having asthma. You could, they'll, they'll help you fake the physical. 
once you get over there, you're on your own for nailers. <laughs> They'll help you fake the physical. That's yeah. crazy. So, oh wow, I could have been a marine, buddy. If only I didn't have asthma. You'd probably be dead now, or a hero, or a hero, or a dead hero, or both. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, I mean, the world will never know, buddy. Don't get me wrong. I respect and you know, thank you for all your service, all your marines, and no, oh, definitely, you know, definitely any any army men, you know, any anyone's in the service, you know, we appreciate you. Thank you for your service. A hundred percent. So let's get back to freaking London League. I'm 38 years old, a bit chubby, not much hair, and losing what I have. Not particularly attractive to women. Realizing his mistake, he corrects himself. Or should I say, not particularly attracting to women. All of the traditional magnets, money, position, power, I just don't have. And yet, I'm still very sexually active. Mm-hmm. And I'm still very much attracted to a particularly particular type of woman who almost by definition is totally uninterested in me. Huh. Dirty old man. Well, you know what? Pervert. I, I, I could tell you one thing. That's definitely what porn's done for us. Like, all the people that, you know, can't get women, you know, they don't go around enslaving them. They just look at a bunch of porn. Yeah, that's true. You know? <laughs> so, thank you, Internet. Thank you for your porn. Thank you, Internet. Saving lives. <laughs> Porn hub. <laughs> we have a shout out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We have another shout out. Porn hub. <laughs> All right. I'm attracted to young women. Sometimes even as young as 12. Oh, Although, geez. to be fair, certainly up to 18 to 22. That's pretty much the ideal range as far as my interests go. I like very slim women. Very pretty. Coarse petite. Small breasted. Long hair. But such a woman, by virtue of her youth, her attractiveness, her desirability to the majority of mankind, simply has better options than me. There is no particular reason why such a woman would be interested in me. But there's more to it than that. It's difficult to explain my personality in 25 words or less. But I am, in fact, a loner. I enjoy peace, quiet, solitude. I enjoy being by myself. And while my relationships with women in the past have been sexually successful, socially they've been almost always a failure. I've gone through two divorces, innumerable women, 50 to 55. Wow. I forget exactly the count. I'm afraid the bottom line statement is the simple fact that I'm a sexist slob. (laughs) I enjoy using women. And, of course, women are particularly interested in being used. Yeah, I guess not. I'd say that statement is correct. Yeah, yeah. So this guy, is, he's just really turning out to be a real... A real winner. A real winner. I certainly enjoy sex. I certainly enjoy the dominance of climbing on a woman and using her body. But I'm not particularly interested in the ed, the ego. All the things that a man should be interested in to complement a woman's needs. Now, I can fake these emotions, and I can fake them very well. And in the past, I've been very successful with attracting, interesting, and attractive women. Simply because I did fake fairly well an interest in their needs and their requirements. Well, he got married twice. Yeah. He's, He's definitely a sociopath. Yeah, for sure. He's like if Ted Bundy had made a tape. You know what I mean? So momentarily, I had what I wanted, and they thought they had what they wanted. 
But in the long term, I don't want to bother. What I want is an off-the-shelf sex partner. I want to be able to use a woman whenever and however I want. And when I'm tired or satiated or bored or not interested, I simply want to put her away. Find a sex worker. Jeez. Lock her up in a little room, get her out of my sight, out of my life, and thus avoid what heretofore has always been the obligation to entertain or amuse or satisfy. Or or a particular woman or girlfriend's whims of emotional whatevers. Jeez, what a piece of shit. Yeah. Such an arrangement, he confessed, is not only blatantly sexist, but highly illegal. <laughs> yeah, There's no doubt about that. You think? <laughs> it violates all the human rights and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to spare posterity my concepts of other people's morality. I'm explaining my morality, what I feel, what I want. And as of this moment, I'm going to try and get. The advantages of such a situation are, of course, obvious and even beyond sexual. Such a woman totally enslaved would be useful for chores. Duh. I would not have to do them anymore, cleaning the house, washing dishes, etc. A slave. There's no way around it. Primarily a sexual slave. But nonetheless, a physical slave as well. It's perfect. Jeez. This guy's like, it's fucking talking so far into it. This guy's a loser. Yeah, he is a loser. And I believe that if I can construct a holding cell, a place where I can put such a woman, where I can walk off and feel secure that she's not going to escape, that I can create a facility that is so stark and so empty, so cold, so quiet, so totally removed from the world, that fairly quickly, by a combination of painful punishments, when I'm displeased... And minor painful punishments when I'm displeased. Oh, and minor rewards, such as music or magazines or some such stuff, that I can quickly condition, this is my belief, that I can quickly condition a young woman to cooperate with me fully. Wow. So he thinks, like, this woman's like a dog that's got to train. That's exactly what he thinks. Yeah. And in fact, even look forward to cooperating with me, simply for no other reason than such cooperation would be a relief from such boredom. My God. This guy's a psychopath. He's freaking loony. Yeah, it's bad. Whether I can do this or not will remain to be seen. Obviously, I've never done such a thing before, and it may not work. However, I want to try. I want to try. Costs and logistics of constructing the bunker, he basically, like, it takes on the rest of the monologue. Just like, this is what I'm going to do. Cement. It's kind of boring. Okay. But, I mean, that was pretty, uh, you know, exhilarating, if you will. Oh, I'm not done. Oh, okay. Life as I am living it is boring. The challenge of this project, the excitement, the thrill of it, will be an exciting experience, even if it fails. As long as I don't get caught. <laughs> it's very attractive. It's something that I fantasize about daily. We'll see. I don't think there's much more to say on the subject. This, hopefully, will be a mystery. Hmm. Is that it? Then in a couple days, like, this is like a couple days later, you just see the the backhoe digging. So creepy, right? Wow. So that was a, that was a trip. I mean, that was, that was an excellent start. Thank you. Let's, uh, I mean, I didn't write it. It was his words, but. Right, right. No, I did it out very well. Thank you, buddy. I thought thought you were him. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, Squiddies, it's your host, Dre from the Tattoo Squid Podcast, here to take you on a deep dive and have my eight arms and two tentacles reach out to all different discussions. 
whether it be interviews with other podcasts and talk about horror, Halloween, heavy metal, camping, comic books, board games, Funko Pops. <sighs> so enjoy the ride to the bottom of the sea and also the depths of my mind. Plus, you can also follow me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and whenever you find podcasts that are available. April 1985, okay? Okay. Milpitas, California. Milpitas. Milpitas? Milpitas. Sounds like a name of a taco. <laughs> Doesn't it? It does. I'm going to eat some Milpitas later. Oh, yummy Milpitas. <laughs> yummy, yummy. At the age of 18, Kathleen Elizabeth Allen. Felt pretty good about her life. She's very beautiful. Very beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, most men thought she was beautiful. And she was. Okay. I mean, not that that matters for a victim. You know what I mean? But she was beautiful. No, I agree. That's what you're saying. And Kathy spent as much time as she could with her younger sister, Diane. Mm -hmm. And her Japanese mother, Sumiko. Okay. In their San Jose, California home. And in the tip of San Francisco Bay. Diane thought Kathy was strong and intelligent. Of course, with an age gap of over two years, the siblings sometimes had misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. But Diane said, Kathy could always make me laugh. And if I had problems, she always had an answer for me. She had a knack for being everyone's friend. You know yeah. that type of person. Yeah, absolutely. Kathy had driven from her workplace to pick up Diane so they could chat about... Oh, was, uh, Diane has some problems I was trying to talk to her about. Because their mother, Sumuko, struggled with the English language, Kathy frequently came to the rescue by volunteering to act as an interpreter. Okay. Sumuko's live-in mate also expressed fondness for Kathy. Live-in mate, huh? Yeah. Characterizing her as loving and tolerant. Okay. A full-time job at the Safeway supermarket in Milpitas, where she had worked for most of a year. And served tacos. <laughs> Allowed Kathy to support herself. Her boyfriend, yeah, nowadays you couldn't freaking support yourself working a safe way, you know what I mean? No, not at all. That's just supposed to show you the difference in 1985 to now. You'd have to have two safe way jobs to support yourself. Yeah, you're right about that. Bullshit. Anyway, okay. Her boyfriend, Michael Sean Carroll, 23, contributed to their entertainment expenses with his earnings from a pizza restaurant. Okay. And he did most of the driving with his 1974 Mercury Capri. Nice car. Oh, nice. Nice. He'd served time on federal drug charges at Leavenworth Prison in Kansas. Oh, really? Okay. So he's had a difficult time trying to find a job. Yeah. Yeah. As so it goes for everyone who gets out of prison. You know? Yeah, it's very hard. It is. Your prison term never really ends. No, it doesn't. Because it follows you your entire life. If we truly didn't want to discriminate against it, we wouldn't require it. For a job. Yeah, we wouldn't require it. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. No. In Austria, after 15 years, your record's wiped. Nobody can find that oh, really? for privacy laws. Yeah. That's, that's if good. you don't commit a crime in 15 right. years. Right. I mean, 15 years is a good time. Yeah. I think. I mean, I don't think agree with it for sexual predators because they can yeah, wait they, forever. There definitely are. For sex crimes, I think it should be, you can look it up anytime. But for if you freaking rob somebody, you haven't committed a crime in 15 years, you're probably reformed. Right. Yeah, I agree. Because people that are not reformed can't wait 15 years to break another yeah. law. Yep, you're 100% you're right. In my opinion. When I am president, things are going to change. Uh, That's my other New Year's resolution. It's, it's Harley Buddy 2024. Yeah, 
Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. In early spring, 1985, Buddy is almost born. So Mike, her boyfriend, moves out of his foster brother's home and convinces Kathy to share an apart or a motel room with him until they could find like a, you know, a nicer apartment. So on April 12th, when he failed to show up one night, the old worries reeled through her mind again, mm-hmm. thinking that he was back to no good. Yep, makes sense. On Sunday, April 14th, she parked his car in the Safeway lot, only a block from the motel. Really, like, having a hard time at work. She wants to leave to go find him. Mm-hmm. Late in the afternoon, she received a phone call at the store. A call that sent her fears about Mike like skyrocketing through the roof. Okay. One of Kathy's friends later divulged that the worried young woman had confided in her about receiving a mysterious message from Mike. According to Kathy, Mike had told her that he'd experienced some serious problems in San Francisco and sought refuge near Lake Tahoe, about 140 miles northeast of the Bay Area. Mike reportedly asked Kathy to meet him in Tahoe. If she could get time off and make the trip, he'd reportedly said he would send someone to pick her up at the supermarket. Really? Interesting. This is like the beginning of every scary movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, like something absolutely. like this happened. Like, I'd be like, no, I'm not going. Yeah, no <laughs> Nowadays. No this is weird. Yeah. A coworker at Safeway stated that the message about Kathy's boyfriend actually came from someone other than Mike. Mm-hmm. That sounds a little fishy. That's it. Which means, as I just wrote down, it sounds more <laughs> ominous. It makes it sound even more ominous. So the coworker reported that Kathy said Mike had been shot and might be dead. Oh, really? This is so sketchy. Really? This is... Another Safeway employee <clears throat> recalled that Kathy received a telephone call at the store. Shortly afterward, the, she had called the Safeway manager and asked for time off. Okay. Explaining that she wanted to go to Lake Tahoe, mm-hmm. where her boyfriend was. And he needed her, she said. She said. As soon as she got permission for a leave of absence, Kathy said, I'm out. And she friggin', she's out. The supervisor, remember, unlocking the supermarket's doors to let Kathy out of the store, which had been closed at 7 p.m., buddy. Concerned about the young worker, the manager gave Kathy her home phone number to call if she needed anything. Okay. Then Kathy walked across the parking lot and entered the passenger side of a car parked near the Yellow Capri. It was like a Honda copperish color, like a penny, mm-hmm. with a luggage rack on the trunk. Okay. okay. As the the manager recalled, she thought that it was a white guy driving, perhaps about forty years old. Okay. This sounds like our. Uh, this sounds like our Leonard. Oh yeah. That same Sunday evening, James Bio, who described himself as a very good friend of Kathy, answered his phone, and could barely make out her worried voice. Okay. Kathy told Bio about the troublesome call at the store, but whispered that she couldn't talk at the moment because there was someone in the room with her at the best inn and Mil- Milpitas. Really? She sounded like she was in a hurry and that she couldn't talk to me, Bio said. It was kind of weird, he said. Yeah, you even kidding. And that she told him that the guy was kind of weird and that he wanted to take pictures of her. Oh, really? <laughs> That's just like, oh, my God, so bad. What the heck is going on? So James asked Kathy to call when she arrived at her destination, and Kathy promised that she would. A few hours later, though, 
Kathleen Allen found herself in terrifying circumstances. I can imagine. Unable to telephone anyone in the outside world. A video camera recorded segments of her nightmarish predicament. Oh, jeez. Okay, buddy, you ready? I'm ready. I'm, I mean, I'm not, but I'm ready. So she's sitting in that same recliner that Leonard Lake was sitting in. That's okay. This is to set you up, buddy. Her legs are crossed. She's wearing a white jersey with red, short sleeves, dark pants, and black shoes. Mm-hmm. She's got handcuffs on her wrists. Oh, jeez. Behind her back, though. She sat perfectly still with, like, a... You know, like in movies, they over-dramatize everything. You don't realize that until you see somebody really in a situation what they really would look like. And she yeah. just looks like, oh, f- oh, fuck. Her look, so, face. So you actually saw this video? Yeah. Okay. It's the worst thing, but you don't look it up. They only had pieces of it online, but yeah. but it's like you could see the beginning. It's like, oh, my God. Her look on her face like, just someone please save me. That's what it looked like. Like you yeah. could tell she's in such distress before she ever says anything. Yeah. So she's got a numb expression on her face. And at, her, at the right of her, there's like a table lamp. And it's like, you know, like those lights with like the, like the not gold, but like amber glow. You know what I mean? Not like yeah. these, but like amber yeah. glow. So it's like bright on her. Mm-hmm. From behind the camera, Leonard Lake says, Mike owes us. He said a hint of threat in his words. He can't pay. Now we're going to give you a choice, Kathy. And this is probably the last choice that we're going to give you. You can go along with us. You can cooperate. You can do everything we tell you to do willingly. And in approximately 30 days, if you want a date to write on your calendar, the 15th of May, we will either drug you, blindfold you, or in some way or other, make sure you don't know where you are and where you're going and take you back to the city and let you go. And what you say at that time, I don't really care. My name, you don't know. His name is Charlie, but screw it. Lake made reference to another man who emerges from the shadows, a short, black-haired Asian dressed in dark colors. Yeah, someone tells me this isn't going to go too well. And she's not getting on in 30 days. Lake has, like, a sweater on. Now he comes into the camera where you can see him, and he, like, adjusts the bonds on her ankles and moves back out of sight. Alternately, like, threatening in firm tones and softly cajoling. Mm-hmm. So he keeps switching from, like, bad guy to good guy. Okay. Then back again. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde, you know? So he says... You don't know where you are, and what you say hopefully can't hurt us. And by then, hopefully, Mike will have disappeared gracefully. Obviously, I'm telling you this because we'll have no control over what you say or how you say it once you're gone. If you don't cooperate with us, if you don't agree this evening, right now, to cooperate with us, we'll probably put a round through your head and take you out and bury you. Oh, jeez. In the same place we buried Mike. Oh, wow. Now she's like... What the? It's terrifying. We do this just because we're, we admit it, scared, nervous. We we never planned on fucking up, much less getting caught. And now we're not intending to get caught. It's the old no witnesses. Yeah, well. It's a little crude, but that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. While you're here, you'll give us information on Mike in terms of his brother, bank accounts, who we need to write to make things correct. We'll probably have you write some letters to the to the guy. His foster brother, telling him some bullshit story about how you and Mike have uh, moved off to Timbuktu, and he's got a job doing this and that, and doing something else. And basically, we want to phase Mike off, just sort of move him over the horizon, and let people know that, yeah, Mike moved off to God knows where, and we never heard from him again. That's semi-acceptable. If anyone wonders, no one's going to wonder too hard. 
While you're here, we'll keep you busy. You'll wash for us, you'll clean for us, cook for us, and you'll fuck for us. That's your choice in a nutshell. I admit, it's not much of a choice, unless you've got a death wish. And she's like, trying to speak, you can see it. But she's like, she's like, so blown away. She's like, no, I don't particularly do, and now the Asian man muttered something, you can't hear, but he says something, too late, not to her. But then Lake comes back and actually, Kathy, I like you. I didn't like lying to you. Whether you believe it or not, that's not important. The fairness of what you're doing is uh, not up for debate. We're not worried about whether we're fair or whether we're good. We're just worried about ourselves. Selfish bastards, maybe. Yeah. You'll probably think of worse names for us in the next four weeks. But that's where it's at. In the last 24 hours, we've been tired, nervous, a little high-strung, perhaps. We expect you to do something about that. Believe me, we both need it. If you go along with us, cooperate with us. We'll be as nice to you as we can, within the limits of keeping you as a prisoner. Oh, my God. If you don't go along with us, we'll probably take you into the bed, tie you down, rape you, shoot you, and bury you. Sorry, lady. Time's up. Make your choice. Oh, my God. And then she says, well, I have to be available. Spell it out for us on tape. I want to hear it from your own lips. I can't spell it out. I'll I'll go along with whatever you want. That's what we wanted to hear. Mike was an ass anyway. Oh, my God. I understand. Either he lied to you or he lied to us. You can believe this or you don't have to believe it. There's nothing to do with anything. Mike was getting ready to drop you. He said you were clinging on to him, that oh you were asking God. things of him that he didn't want. Was that even true? He's like taunting her. Yeah. Mike had some woman in the motel give him a blowjob. Again, this is what he said. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. He could have been lying to us. Now she's like struggling to say something. Okay, then maybe he just like talking big. He thought he was impressing us, or he was. He was disgusting us. Addressing Charlie, he says, do you have keys for her cuffs? He says creepily, "Uh uh-huh. Stand up, Kathy. If we're a little clumsy at this, forgive us. Stay on your feet. Undress for us. We want to see what we bought. Undress for you? Take your blouse off. Take your bra off. They're not all that bad. Take your chains off. So she begins to take her clothes off. Charlie says, Now what do you think? Addressing Lake. Take your pants off? Sure, we'll run her through the shower. Should I go too? Oh, you want to take a shower with her? Oh my God. If you want to, sit down, Kathy. This is surprisingly cooperative. Wisely cooperative, Charlie. We're prepared to do practically anything to get you to agree with us. I'm glad you've uh, made all that unnecessary. But a few ground rules, Kathy. We're real serious about this. Do what you're told. Cooperate with us, and there won't be any problems. Jeez. If you create problems whatsoever, you could very well die. Keep undressing, please. He's so calm and collected about it. He's a psychopath. It's like, oh my God. Oh, yeah. It's just like, Charlie seeming to be like, is so excited about like joining her in the shower. Mm-hmm. He just says like, you didn't get the shower. Uh, she time limits and Lake ignores him. Keep going. He commands. You'll have to excuse me for being shy. Sorry. She says, I can understand, but don't be shy. You're going to take a shower. Then Charlie says, this won't be the la- the first time and it won't be the last time. Then Lake says, don't make it hard for her, Charlie. Panties too, Kathy. I don't want to have to make an example of what we need to do to make you cooperate. 
So now she's standing naked. And she says, I realize that. Then please cooperate. Go ahead, Charlie. Then all three of them start walking away. She's naked. And then you just hear, when you get out, there'll be slippers outside of the, and then the camera stops. (laughs) That's the last time she was, well, I mean, there was a couple more videos, but we're not going to go through every single one. Okay. But it's that, basically. It's her, them. I mean, it's way worse the other videos. This is like the the tamest of the videos. So so I didn't want to torture people, but it's like. God, poor woman. Yeah, 100%. Like. Oh, God. So. So that was interesting. What? I mean, where does this guy come from? Where did this Lee guy come from? Lee, right? Well, we'll find out. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to figure out. It's like, how do you find somebody that's like, yeah, I'll go along with this. I'll psychotic. go along with this. Yeah, I'm all about it. Like, what? Yeah, I don't understand either. Jeez, you think these guys are like, like a guy like this is, you know, one in a million? But clearly, when you find two of them, they're, you know, in the same area and everything. Yeah. That's what makes this story so interesting, you know what I mean? Because it is one in a million, one in a billion. These two coming together to, you know, this girl was 18 years old and was never seen alive again. So tragic. 18 years old. And then, like, your family having to be in court and seeing these videos. Oh, God. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I would lose it, dude. Oh, yeah. You you Lose it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Leanne. Hey, Alana. Why should the people listen to Booze and Ghouls? Well, I don't know. Maybe because they want to be entertained and informed at the same time. And also, would you say that it's funny? Hilarious. He's also not a fan of men and will try to scare them off. <laughs> well, listen, I've scared off a man or doing my day, too. <laughs> He's still trying to run his ghost brothel. I love it. Check out Booze and Ghouls. A paranormal, true crime, and conspiracy podcast. New episodes every Friday. All right, so let's let's hear more about these sick bastards. Okay. Leonard grew up to Elgin, his father. Elgin, I'm pretty sure it's how you say it. Okay. He was an, a raging alcoholic. And Gloria, the mother. Okay. Okay. Raging alcoholic and the mother is what? Just a mother? Or? She's got yeah. kids. She can't take care of them, really. They're poor. Yeah. That kind of thing. I mean, I'm not... I mean... It's inadequate food, medicine, and other necessities. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. They live in public housing. Okay. Don't stuff with non-excuse. Justice is what he became. Yeah. He is the knight. <laughs> <laughs> so little letters in kindergarten. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the father moves, and then the mother decides to leave Leonard with his grandparents. Okay. He's like begging for that. Let me go with you. But mm-hmm. she's like, no. She's not with her grandparents. And how old is Leonard? This is when? Kindergarten. Okay. Yeah. So however. He's in kindergarten. Okay. So. Okay. It was traumatic. Very dramatic. His mother just disappears off the face of the earth or what? Hmm? His mother just disappears off the face of the earth or what? He moves to Seattle. Okay. To follow the father. To like repair their marriage. Ah, gotcha. Oh. Nice mother. He's like begging her, crying, and all that kind of scene. Oh, my God. So, but she does take her sister, his sister, with her. Oh, But I am. Yeah. So, that's got to be like making him worse. Yeah. Is his sister older? Oh, of course you'd ask me that. (laughs) Yeah, I think she's older. Yeah, she's older. All right. 
So he remains many years later. It would be theorized that the experience permanently scarred Leonard. Yeah. And planted a seed that would grow into emotional problems. In any case, Leonard Lake would never again live with either of his parents. Even though his mother and siblings did return to San Francisco within a year. Really? So even though they came back. He still didn't go back with them. Wow. The relationship between Leonard and his mother was, to say the least, you know, stress. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And for years, it remained that way. I just don't understand why she left, leaves him, which, if she took the other kids, then were there multiple kids? Yeah, she's probably like, look at this little psychopath, I'm not taking him with me. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? There's probably something weird about him. Yeah. There always is, those freaking kids. Yeah, he's got something, she's just like, I don't want to deal with this. Yeah, he's probably like killing the kitten. I don't know, but I didn't (laughs) didn't really hear anything like that, but. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. All right. So. Life in the custody of his grandparents offered more stability, though. That's what the mother said. That's why she did it. Even though they weren't wealthy, he never experienced hunger or poverty while living with them. Okay. He had his own room, plenty of food, like fashionable clothing, and an allowance. Okay. So he was doing much better. Yeah, well, that sounds like a lot better than living in public houses with his yeah, definitely. You know, asshole father and mother. You know? They even said to, to summer camp. All right, this kid doesn't have it so bad. Yeah, exactly. And it was like summer camp, and they, you know, they lived in the city more, so they said I mean, summer camp in the country. I mean, when it comes to that material and whatnot, but I mean, emotionally, you know, being abandoned by your mother and you being the only sibling, I mean, that's got to mess you up. And he chose he chose at a certain point to stay with his grandparents. I can imagine at a certain point. But. Yeah. Chester Richardson, a cousin, nine years younger than Leonard. Lived only two blocks away in the same, like, area as them. Okay. At age eight or nine, they would spend time with Leonard in the afternoons when the older boys came home from high school. Leonard, he recalled, owned a small chemistry lab. Experiments with it included the use of acid to dissolve various materials. Once, according to Richardson, Leonard set part of the room on fire with chemicals. Nice. They managed to extinguish it. Was he making meth? <laughs> That'd be crazy. He's like the one that came up with yeah, that. I was to say that. Young Chester also loved to watch the hordes of mice his cousin had. So he had like tons of mice in his room, like a big setup, you know, like how people do with hamsters. Like pet mice. Yeah, pet okay. mice. And, you know, they reproduce pretty quickly. So he had like more than a thousand. Jeez. <laughs> he had a little city for them. It was like a mouse world. Oh, nice. There were tunnels and castles, mazes, even like a little train for them to ride on. Did he build cages and, you know, underground bunkers and stuff like that for him too? No, but eventually when it came time to get rid of the mice, Leonard sold some of them, gave a few away, but he killed most of them. Yeah, makes sense. I expected that. So one of the ways that he killed them was he used chemicals and acid to dissolve the little bodies. Oh my God. Can you imagine that? That's disgusting. They would turn into an ugly green liquid, said the cousin. (laughs) <laughs> the cousin watched that too The cousin's nine years younger So how old is Leonard? I don't know buddy 23 uh-huh. Yeah at this point he's like a teenager I wrote this also like you know Three weeks ago <laughs> Oh yeah <laughs> The younger boy had been involved In a debilitating accident at the age of nine Suffering serious head injury When a train struck him Oh my god <laughs> I've never heard of that And he lived through this yeah. That's insane. That's crazy. 
This is the cousin, How does right? a train hit you? You must be like... Already yeah. got head problems. <laughs> right, exactly. Like trains are not like bullet trains well, around like, here. You know those cartoons where you get your foot stuck in the tracks or something? Yeah, that's probably what it was. It's probably what trying to chase a penny or something. <laughs> yeah. So okay. they, they, they grew up together, you know? Uh-huh. But Leonard had no use for incompetent people. Well, yeah, getting hit with the train, I mean, he's obviously incompetent. Uh, <laughs> he held anyone who collected welfare payments and, like, he just thought they were scumbags. Like, really? They were all the same to him. Uh-huh. Because of his mother, you know, like anybody yeah. like his mother. That makes sense. People who took from the system should be punished, he said. Right. As Janet, yeah. his cousin, recalled. This sounds like some. Uh, oh, his half-sister Janet. Sounds like some people I know. Who, me? <laughs> no, no, no. A certain group of people. <laughs> you take from the system. You're evil. I mean, I, hey, man, I'm all about, you know, some people need a ha- helping hand and whatnot. Some people abuse it, but. Everybody it does not abuse it. That's what, that's what I'm saying. That doesn't mean everyone abuses it. Some people do. Yeah, some people do abuse it, but I, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have that system for people that really need it. Just exactly. because some people abuse it. <laughs> some people just have tiny brains, buddy. I agree. You know, some people just have tiny, tiny brains and can't. Complex thought does not work for them. I agree. It's just the truth. Unlike me and you, because we're, you know, geniuses here. Yes. Murder exactly. incorporated geniuses. Murder incorporated geniuses. <laughs> As Janet recalled, his, co- his half-sister, Leonard once said that if he could poison the water supply of everyone on welfare, he would do it. Gladly. Wow. What a great guy. This guy's this guy definitely a winner. I mean, yeah. Oh, shit. Lake regarded Donald as one of the welfare cheaters because he collected Social Security disability payments. Oh, really? He was a leech. He'd be better off that. I get hit by a train, so... Was he collecting them beforehand? No. No, yeah, hit by a freaking train. It's like, <laughs> what do you think? It's not like he, nobody by purpose gets hit by a train so they get collect Social Security. <laughs> That's him. Uh-huh. It's like, was he actually, like, disabled beforehand? That's I don't know. He did get hit by a train. He did get hit by a train. But I'm wondering. It's like, I mean, maybe it was, like, a really quiet train. It was night out. You know, he's like, ah! Like a cartoon. Oh, Watch out for that train. <laughs> yeah, him and Bugs Bunny got hit by the same train. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, let's go. We got to get to the story, buddy. Yeah, come on. All right. He also felt the same way about his brother. Okay. Well, his brother's on yes. right from his mom, so. Well, he said Donald was a big burden on their mother, which he was not. He just made this up. Okay. He said... You know, like, he's like, he leeches off mom, but he did not. It's so weird. So now his leak is near 18. Images from the collector by John Fowles swirled in his mind. He kept these fantasies a secret, but privately he would, like, jerk off, basically, picturing, like, young women enslaved in a secret cell. Okay. Just straight so this young, is at uh, the young age yeah. of 18. So they'd be subject to any sexual whim of his, available whenever he wanted her, and completely under his control. Even though Lake seemed relatively satisfied living with his grandparents, there was a restlessness, an urge to strike out on his own. He took It took hold early. So what does he do after completing high school, buddy? What's that? Joins the U.S. Marine Corps. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. Why couldn't he even stay in Vietnam, you know? Died. Yeah. 
you know, good men and women over there. That they got, you know, or Agent Orange and all that crap and all that. That was Agent Orange, right? Vietnam or the Korean War, one or the other. Yeah, one of them. I think it was Vietnam. Okay. Anyway, um, but you know that they they get killed by all this and whatnot, and this guy comes home and yeah, know, exactly. Let's build the base, man. Okay. He adapted quickly to the military regime. If Vietnam and Agent Orange weren't the same, I want you to do me a favor and email me. Where? At murderincorporatedpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Or you can tweet Harley. Tweet, uh, Twitter us at murderingpod. Hey, uh, do me a favor, too. Go out there and look up YouTube, look up Murder Incorporated Podcast, and look at our stupid videos, please. Yeah. Subscribe to our stupid videos, please. Yes, please, please do. Yeah. Well, thank you. And what else, buddy? Anything else we got to tell these suckers? I mean, get a Patreon. Let's give you some free stuff. Yeah. Check join Patreon. Yeah. Join Patreon. Yeah. That, that'd be awesome if you did that. We'll send you some stuff. Yeah. Some cool murder merch. I mean, you definitely we'll go to heaven if you I, join. I, I mean, that's I one thing. That, that's a straight ticket to heaven. Absolutely. That's one thing. I mean, unless you don't want to go to heaven. But if you want to go to heaven, join I mean, Patreon. You could, you could either work to go to heaven and be a good person or you just join Patreon. And you don't yeah. Do, then you, you can do, do whatever, whatever you want. You want. <laughs> Door people on your way to work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The use of weapons fascinated Leonard including fire control techniques and rifle tactics. He paid close attention during classes about the use of chemicals in combat guerrilla warfare, okay. explosives, and demolition. So he created Agent Orange. Orange yeah, saying. probably. Gotcha. Marine Corps training gave Blake the opportunity to drive large and small vehicles and how to expertly read maps. Mm-hmm. Field survival techniques lodged themselves in his memory for future use. He learned military... Jargon, and in the future would refer to any project as an op. An op. <laughs> I got an op. Uh, that's where Operation Miranda came from. Yep. Gotcha. They came because uh, the girl in the collector that was the slave was named Miranda. Oh, really? So that's where he got uh, Operation Miranda. Gotcha. Which I was going to say later, but whatever. It don't matter, buddy. Just I spoiled it. Jump the gun. Jump the gun. It's okay. So even after like he gets out of the military, he's still wearing like the camouflage all the time. <laughs> he's one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, one of those guys. After graduation from basic training, he entered and completed specialized classes to become a radar technician. The Corps transferred him to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Okay. Where he took advanced courses in aircraft radar work. Okay. On weekend passes and during leaves of absence, Lake often visited relatives at the home of an uncle who lived in South Carolina. At one of the gatherings in April 1965, buddy, Lake was pleasantly surprised when another guest showed up. Who, buddy? Karen Lee Minersman, 18, the daughter of his uncle's friend. Okay. Who had traveled from Delaware. Okay. Where she attended college majoring in math. Nerd alert, nerd alert. (laughs) Listen, I hate math. People that are good at math think they're so freaking smart. It's like, you're not so freaking smart. Give me a freaking break. Patterns is what it Give is. me a break. All right. Anyway. I, don't know. I used to be good at math and I was, I, I thought I was good at math until I started taking college courses and I'm like, wow, I suck at math. It doesn't make you stupid. No, I don't think I'm stupid at all. No, I'm just saying. I mean, a lot of people do, but I don't. I don't think you're stupid, buddy. Thank you. I don't think you're stupid either. Thank you. That's all that matters. That's why we use podcasts together. That's right. We think each other excellent. <laughs> Homesickness motivated her decision to spend spring break with her parents. During the holiday, she was at the thing where she met Lake. As soon as they met, Karen and Leonard felt attraction. Before he returned to the Marine base, they agreed to correspond by mail. 
Oh. They exchanged affectionate letters during the following months. Mm. Until President Lyndon Johnson, the greatest president of all. I don't know. Leonard Lake arrived in Southeast Asia not long before Christmas 1965. Okay. Most of the following year, in country, they call it. But and at this time, the letters would currently dwindled and eventually stopped. Aw. Oh, that poor man. Sad face emoji. In late 1966, Lake was reassigned to duty in California at the Point Muju Naval Air Station. Then his thoughts returned to that woman in Delaware when he began writing again in 1968. Oh, she's back. She's back. She's back. She's back. Karen confided in Lake about her loneliness. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. Not a good idea to do a psychopath. No, not at all. She admitted later, she's not very worldly at age 22, or age 20. Mm-hmm. She thought Leonard might fill the bill. Boy, was she wrong. In March 1969, Lake used his leave to seal the relationship by taking a flight to Delaware. Okay. Where she grew into a romance. Oh. When Lake proposed marriage, Karen accepted and accompanied him back to California. Before the month ended, she became his bride. As Karen would later recall, life during those first few months with her husband was eh, just sort of average. <laughs> <Jeez. It's almost laughs> the honeymoon phase in lads are long. <laughs> A couple things worried her, okay? He often jested with his fellow Marines about selling her body to them. Oh so that's God. kind of worrying. Oh, my God. And embarrassed her. Like, she, he would do her yeah. in front of her. Oh, my God. That's horrible. Yeah. It's because a womanizer right from the beginning, huh? Lake's constant urging her to dress in revealing costumes and bear as much flesh as possible made her nervous about his choking. Yeah. He thought, like, maybe she really, he really did want to pimp her out. Yeah. If that's what they call it. Pimp her out, right? Yeah. Pimp out my ride. Pimp out my wife. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. The that's second bad. problem that concerned Karen even more was prior to the marriage, she had never detected any tendency for him to be unusually dominant. But now, in his role as her husband, he became controlling and overbearing about everything. That makes sense. He became the master and expected her to be the slave. That fits the uh, the MO, you know? She submitted to his wish, but didn't enjoy being a possession buddy. I don't blame her. Lake seemed to feel he could do anything he wished with her. Her concerns faded away, though, when Lake volunteered midway through 1970 for a second tour of duty in Vietnam. Good. Lake's grandparents had moved from San Francisco to Guyton, a small town in Central California. They agreed to let Karen live with them during this long wait for her husband's return. Mm-hmm. In Vietnam, Lake would later say he really enjoyed the experience. He boasted about killing a lot of people and said that the toughest thing he had to do was zip up body bags. As a radar technician, Lake was stationed in Da Nang, the coastal city of 200,000, where 3,500 Marines had stormed ashore on March 8th, 1965, to begin the escalation that would eventually cost the United States more than 58,000 lives. Did you know that? Wow, I didn't know that. That's ridiculous. But basically, he's like fixing radars. He's not even like getting in action. He's just a liar. Yeah. He was shipped back to California at the end of 1970. Okay. Medical evaluation resulted in Lake being declared a danger to himself and to others. Oh, really? 
So he spent like two months in a psychiatric ward. And this is like worrying and caring. She's like, yeah, he looks kind of dangerous, you know. She reported that like invaded a storage area one night to steal government property. She didn't know what he was after, but it was important to Lake. Really? So, yeah. During the op, Lake failed to find the object of his search, which sent him into a deep depression. <laughs> he blamed the failure on an attack of diarrhea. So he returned to his bed and began <laughs> eating all the chocolate he could find. <laughs> really? That's some bad diarrhea. He <laughs> said the chocolate causes constipation, so he's going to eat a lot of chocolate. That makes sense. Yeah, I agree. No, I don't agree. That he said once he's sense. constipated, he'll return to the storage unit and carry out his original op. <laughs> so he's in the middle of an op, he's going to take a shit. <laughs> so when this diarrhea is over, I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> this alarmed Karen. <laughs> yeah. It also concerned the doctors. Okay. <laughs> they performed extensive psychiatric examinations and recommended that Leonard Lake be discharged from the Marine Corps. Okay. He left the service in January 1971. Within a few days of his departure, Lake and his wife looked for a place to settle and bought a home in San Jose. Nice. Love to go to California. Me too. I was supposed to go there before we I... We should uh, go out for our freaking one-year trip, you know? Oh, I'm down. I would go. I'll go I'll, I'll go that all day. Well, you really should. I agree. Plan it and go to freaking California. And there you go. That's where Murder Incorporated is going next. Yeah. We're going to Disneyland in California. So one of the, the highest serial killer, right? We could do a case there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Last time we tried to do a case, it didn't work. We're not driving, we're flying. Oh, yeah, I know that. I know <laughs> that. I'm going to be terrified. Oh, my God. You've never been on a plane? Not since I was two. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm scared. They're not scary. You're done if it goes down. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, there, you can. there's more. It's a way higher statistic to die in a car, car than Yeah, a plane, it's, still, so. it's still done. It doesn't matter. Oh, At least you can maybe survive a car crash. You're going to maybe survive a plane crash. You might. There's been people, actually, I think just recently a plane crashed and yeah, well, all that's survivors. A, that's were, one out of every million plane crashes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, I mean, anyway. I, my luck, though, I'd go down. My luck go down. God. Hey, well, what are you going to do? Good thing I'm not scared to die. That's all right. All right. You ready? Yep. Oh, yeah, that paused? No. Not at all. There's <laughs> <laughs> so much bullshit banter in this. <laughs> okay. So now he starts doing controlled beatings. Of oh, his wife. Joy. You know? Poor woman. At first, he just would strike her lightly to the face, like with an open hand. Then later, he started using his fist. Oh, God. And then he'd be like, you like it. You like it, don't you? It's time for her to leave. He, and then he makes her be a stripper. <laughs> he makes her be a stripper. Yeah. And he keeps all the money she makes. Are you kidding me? What in the absolute? Wow. He ordered Karen to pose nude for his camera. And he filled an album with revealing photos of her. Oh, my God. So he wanted another couple and to swap partners, he said. So he was trying to be a swinger. He claimed he could no longer reach orgasm with just her, he said. Reluctantly, she admits later that they did do this with several other couples, sex swapping. Oh, really? Other bizarre behaviors by her husband worried Karen. He claimed he hated telephones, but finally gave in to her request to install one in their home. It seemed odd to her that he insisted on giving the telephone company a phony name. He's like one of these paranoid freaking guys that gets out of the military and he's just yeah. a nut. Yeah. Like, he's so crazy. Karen also found it puzzling that 
Leonard pressured her to read only one book out of a small library he had accumulated, The Collector. That's all he would let her read? Yeah. He said it's different from any other book. Another problem. Yeah, it's because it's a fantasy of yours. Yeah. A psychopath. The weapons kept her nervous. You know, like that. That wouldn't make me nervous. Lake accused Karen of stealing them. <laughs> the weapons? Yeah, because they mysteriously vanished one day. Oh, really? Oh, she probably did. Yeah, she's probably like, I better get rid of these. <laughs> I'm not dying. And the knives. <laughs> he is the only person that Karen had ever met that she could honestly say had a God complex. Oh, really? He I actually thought of himself as some sort of deity. Oh, my God. Yeah. This guy is Whenever delusional. anybody would say, like, oh, God, he would say, yes. <laughs> Speaking. <laughs> like, that's so funny. <laughs> what, are you really saying that? Yeah, you really did. <laughs> I mean, I've joked around like that. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> no, but he did it every time. <laughs> and he wasn't joking. That's he wasn't joking. But yes. You know. Wow. <laughs> And he became very jealous at this time too. And but he would like get other girls to like pose nude for pictures and stuff like that. God, why did she put up with this? I mean, I I guess she's know. you know a beaten woman. You know, it's kind of like, but still, yeah, getting divorced back then is a lot harder than it was nowadays. Yeah, it's weird. Like you're also in an abusive relationship. Not that we can speak to it as much as a woman would be able to, but. You're stuck. You know what I mean? You feel yeah. stuck. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no way out. It's hard to get out. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. Periodically, they visited a family living on the same street. Charles Gunner. Okay. This is guy's going to be crucial to the story. She really didn't like Charles or his wife, but she liked their two daughters. Mm-hmm. Gunner was about six feet tall and 300 pounds. So he's about the same size as you, buddy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he had a heavy black beard with a mustache and dark hair and just fat face. You know, 300-pound guy. Mm-hmm. He looked like an opera singer or maybe a professional wrestler. Karen thought Gunnar didn't treat his wife and daughters very well. Mm-hmm. But Leonard seemed to like Charles, so Karen tried to be courteous to them. As the strain between Karen and Leonard heated up, she wanted to leave. You know, she's like, she constantly was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. One evening in November 1971, she exited the bar where she danced, accompanied by a regular who had offered to walk her to her car. At that same moment, Leonard arrived at his pickup and flared into an outburst of anger and threatened to throw her out of their house. And she calmly got in the car and drove home because oh, he thought something was up with the guy walking, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so she ends up leaving that night. Thank God. Good. And he, terrifying for he her didn't leave, try and get her to stay or anything like that. He's like, well, he let her go, you know, thank God. Yeah. On several occasions, she found that he had broken into her apartment, though, and burned holes in her clothing with acid. <laughs> wow, really? Oh, my God, that's terrifying. Once, she caught him inside. He just yelled at her and stuff like, called her a whore and stuff like that. She's not with you anymore, dude. Move yeah, on. move Get on. Away. Move on, loser. Go, go to your sex dungeon. Yeah. Lock yourself in and kill yourself. <laughs> so they finally divorced in 1972. His half-sister Janet recalled that the only time she ever saw Leonard cry was when he told her that Karen had left him. Oh, really? Dun, dun, dun. And we will pick up this next week, okay? Yeah. After the divorce. How's that, buddy? That works for me. I mean, we've we've given a quite a bit of a uh, story so far, so. Yes, let me think if we have anything else to do. 
We want to thank the Oracle Network. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Oracle. Thank you all that are out there. Oh, uh, I do want to give a shout out for my other podcast, buddy, that is starting, Homicide Highway. Yeah, Harley's cheating on me. I'm not cheating on buddy at all, whatsoever. (laughs) But I do want to give a shout out. Maybe we get some listeners. Um, Check them out. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. Buddy said we sound good together, so that's a good... Homicide Highway. That is a good, uh, what do you call it? What do you call that? When somebody says something good, like a good... Good... uh, Testimonial or something? Yeah, sure. That's, that's that's not the word I'm thinking of. Probably. Oh, yeah, me either. Recommendation? Recommendation. Recommendation. It's a good recommendation. That's a good recommendation as any if it comes from Buddy. So That's right. And, uh, you know, you won't have to listen to my ugly voice. You can listen to an actual, actual female, which might be a little so- more soothing on the ears. I'm sure that you don't want more of me, but that's what you're getting is more of me. <laughs> so. Getting more Harley. But it's I don't write the story every week. At least you write your phone every other time. So it's pretty cool. I yeah. hope that people listen. Check We're it out. Trying to get listeners, so. Homicide Highway. All right. And then I want, if Buddy doesn't mind, to read a review. From Homicide Hi- Highway? No, no. Oh, okay. From Murder Incorporated. Ooh, I didn't even know we got a new one. Yeah, it's really good. Nice. Are you ready, buddy? I'm ready. True Crime Incorporated is the name of the person, so they must be love true crime. Mm-hmm. Murder Incorporated is a straight-to-the-point, earnest, and balanced between... Presentation and banner. Mm. They cover a wide variety of true crime and give the appropriate amount of table setting to each topic. Oh, that's awesome. Give them a listen and subscribe now. Oh, that's awesome. I would have to agree with that. That, that, that sounds like one that we'd, we would write. To- <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did not write that. I swear to God. I did not write it really, that. It really does. It's like, it's like that's a perfect one. <laughs> you know, whoever you are, we, we thank you very much. It's yeah. awesome. That's a great review. Oh, no. Okay. That was the name of the, Derek. Daryl leaked 88. That was who did it. Daryl leaked yep. 88. Thank you very much. Thank yeah, you. thank you. So here, let's want to do another one. Yeah, I didn't know. How many more we got? I mean, we just did our comments on YouTube, by the way. Go to YouTube. Yeah, nobody subscribe. freaking watched it, so know, right? we might as well make them listen now. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll do one more. All right. Yeah. This is from G.G. Holland. Mm-hmm. Barn Fires and Murder. <laughs> Such a good true crime podcast. Perfect amount of commentary mixed with fine details. I love the latest Amish Serial Killer series. Subscribed. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. And yeah, go check Thank out Eli Stutzman. Eli Stutzman was a long one. It was four parts, but man, it was awesome. I, yeah, really, I really like that one. Yeah, so did I. So yeah. did I. That's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, I think so. All right, guys. So you know where to write us. That's right. I know none of you can spell incorporated, so you don't write us. But <laughs> you know if you can get freaking you know word spell or whatever it's called a dictionary, figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you can find it probably right. Shouldn't alienate everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you found this, so freaking write us, okay? <laughs> freaking write us, and, and, and make sure you take the time to tell the ones that you hold dear that you love them too. Bye, guys. Welcome to The Jury Room, a true crime podcast. My name is Kevin, and I will be your host on this journey. We will be covering some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever be committed against humanity. We will be covering cannibalistic serial killers, 
decades-old unsolved mysteries, cold cases, missing person cases, and everything in between. The Jury Room Podcast is available on most major podcasting platforms. Please make sure you go subscribe and leave a review.